We live in a world that's polarized, really polarized, and this tension can creep into the church as well. So how do we, as Christians, have productive, helpful conversations about polarizing issues with each other and with non-Christians? How can we talk about issues seriously and deeply without it becoming heated and argumentative? That's what we'll be discussing this week on Exploring the Faith. I'm Kurt Parton, and this is Exploring the Faith, where we examine any question or issue that helps us be more faithful as followers of Jesus Christ. We want to be growing always closer to God to more deeply understand the life He's brought us into, to help and encourage our fellow believers, and to meaningfully engage the culture around us. Welcome to the discussion. Our society is deeply polarized. You don't need me to tell you that. We can see it in our families, among our friends, and even in our churches. This isn't a new problem, but it definitely seems to have gotten worse. How do we deal with this as Christians? It's been said that most people enjoy the comfort of opinion without the discomfort of thought. Unfortunately, we can see this is true, even among evangelical Christians. It's all too easy to polarize and divide over issues. It's very common, even among Christians, to listen to only one perspective on any given issue. Many people receive all their information from their side, whatever that is, and rarely give their opponents a fair chance to really explain their views. This way of being informed creeps into the body of Christ, too, and affects how we handle controversial issues. Whether we're talking about Republicans and Democrats, or Calvinists and Arminians, We often end up talking past each other without making any impact because we don't really understand where the other person is coming from. Too often we've already made up our mind even about what we think they believe, and we're not even trying to learn anything from them. We haven't learned some important biblical lessons, like the one we read in Proverbs 18.17, where it says the first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. And verse 13 tells us spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. The manner in which we sometimes express our disagreements also greatly concerns me. When I've been online researching different viewpoints, there are times when I'm dismayed by the unloving and unchristian animosity displayed toward opponents who are brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not saying we shouldn't debate and debate vigorously, but who are we to impugn the motives and intentions of fellow believers? Or anyone else for that matter? Can we see the heart? Are we qualified to judge it? Sometimes the interaction becomes so mean-spirited and vitriolic that I have to check and make sure it's actually spewing from a Christian site. Brothers and sisters, this should not be. So, how should we discuss controversial issues? My hope with this podcast is that many of you will come to exploringthefaith.com, that you'll post comments on these podcast episodes, and then we can continue these discussions. But that makes it even more important that we start off with some ground rules. So I'm going to do something I rarely do. I'm going to number my points. Because these aren't meant to be just helpful tips. For our future discussions, for which I sincerely hope you'll join in, these are rules of engagement. So, number one, begin with an attitude of love. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that we can be right about everything. We can have all our T's crossed and I's dotted and have foolproof arguments. But if we don't genuinely love the person with whom we're interacting, we aren't accomplishing anything. In fact, we could be doing great harm. This doesn't mean that truth is somehow optional. 
Speaking the truth is imperative, but we have to speak the truth in love, right? Remember when the lawyer asked Jesus which commandment was the greatest? Jesus gave him two commandments. And what did they have to do with? Love. Love God. Love each other. He said that all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything comes back to these two commandments. Jesus said the defining characteristic of his people would be not the culture warriors that we are, not how effectively we broadcast our Christianity with bumper stickers and t-shirts and Christian lingo, not even what we think of as our personal holiness. No, what's supposed to show everyone that we truly belong to him and follow him is the love that we have for one another. If we were truly loving, even when we were debating someone, do you think that might eliminate much of the hostility? If the world saw a church where Christians consistently showed love for each other and for everyone else, even when we strongly disagree with someone, could that maybe have an impact on people looking for a faith that's real, one that really makes a difference in people's lives, rather than just putting a religious veneer over someone who actually seems just like everyone else? So, if you don't truly love the person with whom you're arguing theology or politics or whatever, then you need to stop and get your heart right before you continue. Second point, watch out for pride. Ego creeps in so easily, we have to be intentional about avoiding it. It begins to be all about my views, our side, what we believe, us versus them. Once we're looking at any issue that way, it becomes very difficult to be fair and really listen to the other side. We see this in politics all the time. We lionize our leaders and demonize theirs. We try to justify whatever our group does, no matter how despicable, and when the opposing side does something commendable, we pick it apart. Why? Because we have to be right. We have to win. It becomes a matter of pride. I mean, we can't let the other side win anything, right? We can't let them make a good point. We can't acknowledge that anything legitimate could ever come from someone else. We can't actually learn something from someone who's not a part of our group right? Before we look at the actual issue, we need to acknowledge it's not about me. It's not about what will make me look good. It's not about helping my side win. Instead, our focus needs to be what is true, whether I like it or not. It's not about who is right. It's about what is right. So we need to sacrifice our egos. Are you willing to admit it when you're wrong, even to someone on the other side? maybe even especially to someone on the other side. If not, you're not ready to discuss serious issues. Notice that before we've examined any actual issue, we've examined ourselves, our own attitudes. If we entered into discussion and debate with right hearts before God and toward each other, it would alleviate most of the rancor in our disagreements, wouldn't it? Third rule of engagement, seek the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What this doesn't mean is checking out an issue or listening to someone until I've amassed enough catchy-sounding points to win the argument. Remember, it's not about winning arguments. It's not about defending my position. It's about actually understanding an issue and discovering what is really true. Seeking the truth also doesn't mean listening only to my side's explanation of the views of our opponents. 
means having the courtesy to truly listen to opposing viewpoints and fairly consider them. It's not compromising the truth to give another person a fair hearing. You don't have to be convinced. But are you willing to be? Remember the old saying, if you never have to change your mind, you're probably not using it. Are you so focused on the truth that you're willing to change even a long-held position? Which is more important to you, truly being right or having everyone on your side think you're right? Fourth, be fair with your opponent. If it's not all about winning, this shouldn't be such a problem, but way too often it is. If we're explaining the position of our opponents, they should be able to listen to us and say, yes, well put, that's how I would explain it too. Now, we can then go on to explain the problems we have with someone's views and why we disagree, but we need to be scrupulously fair in the way we describe the beliefs and views of others. Do you like to be misrepresented? Do you enjoy it when you're falsely accused of motives you don't have and beliefs you don't hold? Are you happy when someone takes your very serious, well-thought-out view and describes it in a way that makes it sound petty and silly and easy to dismiss? Then let's make sure we don't do that to anyone else, right? Express your opponent's views accurately and fairly, which, of course, means you've taken the time to really understand them as they understand them. Scripture tells us we're supposed to treat others, and that includes non-Christians, with respect. So let's respect people enough to describe their views the way they would. It's more accurate anyway. Number five, work on persuading people instead of trying to win arguments. If you're truly convinced that someone you're talking with is wrong, if you're concerned that this error is potentially harmful to them, and if you have a loving attitude toward this person, how are you going to interact with them? By bombastically hitting them with every argument within reach and overpowering them with your array of facts and bulletproof logic? By hounding them until you force them to grudgingly concede that they're wrong? Is this really the way to change someone's heart and mind? Perhaps we might be more effective if we adopt a more scriptural style of interaction, like the one we see in 2 Timothy 2, 24-25. It says this, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people, gently instruct those who oppose the truth, Perhaps God will change these people's hearts, and they'll learn the truth. I think for most of us, this is so different from the way we're used to interacting with people that we need to keep reminding ourselves, this is not about winning an argument. It's about loving people. It's about learning from them and sharing with them, seeking the truth, whatever that is, and, as we have opportunity, helping them see the love and truth of Jesus Christ. Six. Distinguish between essential truths and non-essential viewpoints. We must not compromise the essential truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there are a number of secondary issues that we routinely fight about that are not worthy of dividing over. The manner of Christ's return is a wonderful, blessed hope and a fascinating topic for discussion. But it's a little silly for us to be so dogmatic over something of which we are still so ignorant. Some issues require a firm, unyielding stand. Others invite ongoing consideration, discussion, and illumination. We need to seek the wisdom to appropriately distinguish between them and not be overly dogmatic and divisive about what Scripture calls disputable matters. Finally, number seven, realize that you aren't going to convince everyone, and that's okay. It's not our job to defeat the world and win some culture war. God does not call us to that in His Word. The victory belongs to Christ. 
Bringing that victory to fulfillment is his job, not ours. It's not our job to tell the world how sinful it is. The Holy Spirit does that, not us. We're not here to be victorious. We're here to be faithful, to faithfully be followers of Jesus Christ, to help each other grow as followers of Jesus Christ, to be a genuine blessing to our communities any way we can, and as we have opportunity, to gently and respectfully share the love and truth of God with those around us. We aren't trying to get people to adopt our tradition or views. We want to see real heart change. And it's not even our responsibility to change their hearts. That's between them and God. We lovingly and respectfully communicate the truth. The Holy Spirit works in their hearts and draws them to Him in His perfect wisdom and timing. When people don't come around to our way of thinking right away, it doesn't mean that we failed or that they hate God or are rejecting Him necessarily. We can't control this process or the timing. Even if some fellow believers don't agree with us, they're still our brothers and sisters, and we still need to treat them with love and respect. Just because a Christian doesn't agree with your view on something doesn't mean they're resisting God or they aren't submitted to Scripture. We just might be the ones who need to reconsider our viewpoints. Unless, of course, you already know everything perfectly. Keep these passages in mind. Romans 12, 18 tells us, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And then from James 1, 19-20, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. I think that sums it up quite well. And one final passage. Many of us have memorized John 3.16, but don't forget what it says in 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Christ Jesus laid down his life for us, so we also should lay down our lives for each other. The people who we so easily think of as our enemies, as our opponents, they are not our enemies. We aren't called to defeat them or to put them in their place. These are people for whom Jesus laid down his life. We aren't here to oppose them. We are here for them. The people on the other side who drive us crazy, these are the people we're called to love, to lay down our lives for them. Because if we're going to call ourselves followers of Christ, then we have to follow him, right? Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate it and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This will help others find us. You can find a transcript of this episode, along with any show notes, at exploringthefaith.com. Feel free to post a comment and join the discussion. We also welcome any questions or issues that you'd like us to explore. You can submit these at exploringthefaith.com. Exploring the Faith is sponsored by The Orchard a Jesus-following church that meets in Rancho Cordova, California, and also in weekly interactive online studies. This is my home church, where I'm blessed to serve as teaching pastor. You can find out more about The Orchard at orchardonline.org.